following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. I'm going to read from uh, Book of Psalms uh, and uh, from chapter 135, and it's written like this. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, O servant of the Lord. Who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good, and sing to his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel as his own possession. For I know that the Lord is great, and that the Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does, in heaven and on earth in seas and in all and all deeps he it is who, he it is who makes the cloud rise at the end of the earth who makes lightning of the rain and brings forth the wind from his storehouses he it was who stuck down the firstborn of egypt both man and of beast who in your midst o egypt sent signs and wonders against pharaoh and all his servants who stuck down many nations and killed mighty kings, Sihon, king of Amorites, and O, king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan, and gave their lands as heritage, a heritage to his people Israel. Your name, O Lord, endures forever. You are renowned, O Lord, throughout all ages. For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. The idols of nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. They have eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them, those who make them become, become like them. So do all who trust in them. O house of Israel, bless the Lord. O house of Aaron, bless the Lord. O house of Levites, bless the Lord. You who fear the Lord, bless the Lord. Blessed be the Lord from Zion, he who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Word of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, John. When we bless the Lord, what we're doing is we're acknowledging that the Lord is he who is blessed. And you may remember, I've explained in the past, that the con- biblical concept of a blessing has to do with being filled with the potential for life. It's the opposite of cursing. Cursing is when the life of something is sucked out of it. In other words, death or death-like. So God is the one who's blessed because he is the originator of all life. And so when we bless God, we're acknowledging that life and health and strength and and prosperity and goodness all originates in God. It actually doesn't originate anywhere else. And while that should be obvious to us, It isn't always obvious. 
And, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. For the past several weeks, we've been going through the going through First John. My original plan was to end last week, but then I, when I was grappling with the very last verse, I thought it was worth focusing on it by itself because it seems to function in a very special way. The very last verse of John chapter, First John chapter five, verse twenty-one is: "Little children, keep." yourselves from idols. The thing that is so striking about this is John doesn't mention idols anywhere else in his letter. John, as we saw, actually has a few concepts that he keeps coming back to over and over again in, in, in almost like a spiral formation as he seems to repeat himself, as he's dealing with um, what it means to truly believe in God through Jesus, the Jesus who is born in Bethlehem and is a true man and is, is divine, who actually died on the cross for our sins and actually rose from the dead, truly believing in him, not a concept about him, not a detached idea about him, but the real Jesus who really did what he did. Um, and then if we truly believe in him, then we're going to love fellow believers in a, in a very real and practical way. And if we don't do that, if we, and if we don't live truly godly lives, then we're hypocrites and liars. And he comes back to that over and over and over again. And so then he ends, he ends his, his letter. I read the last verse. I'm going to read it again, but I'm going to read a couple of verses before. Verse 19 of 1 John 5, We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so we may know him who is true, and we are, are in, in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. And so John contrasts that which is true from that which is false. And uh, the concept of true is the same as what we call reality. Truth is not something that we perceive. When we know something that's true, we're coming to grips with reality. I believed in my heart what the weather told me was that around 10 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, we were going to experience significant wind gusts. And in this case, the prediction proved itself to be true. It was real. It really was very windy at that time. And we might experience similar wind gusts before we're done this morning. That which is true is that which is real. When we believe that Jesus is true, we believe that he is real, what he's done is real. To have faith in him is not a nice thought that we have. It's not a religious feeling. It's coming to grips with reality. And the problem with idols is that they are false. They are representations of things that are not true. They are not dependable. They are not good. 
they are destructive. So why would John all of a sudden, in a sense, dump this idea at the end of his letter when he hasn't been talking about idols at all, and at the very end of his letter, it's little children, keep yourselves from idols. It's because he had been spending his time in the letter cautioning his, his, those who he loved so much in his community to make sure that they stay away from what is false, that they don't allow false teaching, that they don't believe in false teaching. And so false teaching, in a sense, whether it's about actual physical statue-like idols, or they are simply the words of teachers who are themselves not teaching what is true, but what is false, that this all comes within the category of idolatry. And so it's possible that he he was thinking, I told you, he was thinking of the false teaching in the same way as he would think about actual idols. According to the scriptures, idolatry is what we would call the core sin. It's where everything really goes wrong. I know you're familiar with Romans chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 16 to 31. I call this, it's the dynamics of idolatry. I'm going to start with a positive statement by Paul. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Remember, faith is not simply nice thoughts about God. It's reliance on him who is true. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise... They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And so instead of acknowledging God for who he really was, human beings from ancient times until now have made representations with our own hands of other things. Therefore, there's God's response to idolatry. God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So God's response to the futility of human beings' reliance upon the works of our hands has resulted in what we would call immorality. The immorality didn't come first. 
So bad living in all of its forms, which is not bad because, oh, we believe a set of things that are right, and those people over there, they don't do what we think is right, and bad, 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 bad. No. The reason why immorality is bad is because it goes against the the design of God and how he made human beings and how he made life and to do activities that are not according to God's design gets us into big trouble. It's like living against the instruction manual. You know, nowadays, when we, if you, if you buy anything, just about anything, there's warnings at the beginning of the instruction manual. And I know very few people read instruction manuals. I used to work for a software company uh, that uh, I wrote help manuals for them, uh, knowing probably no one was ever going to read what I was writing. But oh well, they paid me for it, and um, I thought it was helpful. And of course, a lot of people, you know, when all else fails, read the instructions. Well, they try now to put all these warnings um, at the beginning of of, um, of instruction manuals. And as you know, I, I'm the Bible teacher at St. Timothy's School. It meets here. And um, often at the beginning, as I've been introducing the Bible class, I'll read some of these warnings. Like, don't put, don't uh, dry your cat in the microwave. <laughs> or um, don't, uh, uh, for instructions for a uh, uh, clothes iron. Don't iron clothes while wearing. And guaranteed people have done it, you know, when they're too rushed. Um, not that this one is dangerous. I love this one. There's instructions on a pack of peanuts that says, um, um, instructions, open package, remove peanuts, eat. <laughs> Sometimes people need to know how to do the obvious. And, and that's true because very often we don't do the obvious. Common sense isn't very common. And um, if, if we don't pay attention to God's instructions of life, we get in great trouble. And so what we see here, according to Paul in Romans 1, idolatry is actually the natural disposition of humanity. And it's, it's rooted in something that we see in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve, instead of listening to the voice of God, which would have enabled them to stay healthy and live and prosper, listened to the creation. We don't often talk about it that way. We focus on the serpent. But look what they did. God gave them his word. It wasn't very complicated. Instruction manual wasn't very long. Gave him his word. If they listened to his word, they'd be okay. And another word was introduced, and the word came, in a sense, from the creation. Adam and Eve were, were appointed by God to manage the creation. They were to live in such a way where they would listen to the, the king of the universe and then enact his instructions on the earth to subdue it. But instead of listening to the master, they turned to the creation and listened to it. As a result, the creation began to rule over us. And that's what happens with, with idolatry. When we turn to that which we make with our own hands, it rules over us. 
we are supposed to be under God, ruling over the creation. But because of idolatry, it rules over us. We know what God says in the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verses 4 through 6. He says to the people of Israel, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Some people get offended by this idea that God is a jealous God. But God being jealous is a sign of his love. It's like a jealous husband or wife, not that just getting angry about they might be messing up, but they belong to me and they belong to me because I've committed myself to them and I love them and I care about them and they're ruining a precious relationship. And that is how God feels about his people. His jealousy for his people is comes out of the fact that he knows that when we turn to that which is false, we're going to suffer. It's not it's not because he's he's embarrassed or or that he's just bugged by the fact that we're 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 um, going a, a different way. He knows it's harming us and he cares about us and he wants us to turn back us to turn back to him because that's the best thing for us. And remember, when we go after idols, it's it's not just that we're, we like something different from what we um, said we believed. It's that we are relying on something that's fake. And when we rely on something that is fake, it's not true, that will lead to destruction for ourselves and everybody else around us. And so what what happens when we turn to idols is we're putting our faith, our reliance on our own creative ability. We're putting our trust in that which we've made with our own hands. We become loyal to those things and we begin to love them. And so in 1 John, John understands the tendency of the human heart to rely on human ingenuity in competition with God. And that's what was going on. The false teaching was providing for some people a a false security, a false confidence and John who loved these people so much was warning them to turn back or to stick with the truth so they don't get themselves and their loved ones into big trouble and so just like human beings have fashioned physical statues so as I said earlier there are so many other ways that we create idol-like things. John was actually saying the false teaching was idolatrous. And I would imagine along with that would be those personalities. I commented on that and tried to comment on that a couple times during our series, that what often happens with false teaching, it often becomes all about the, the people, about the teachers, about that pastor, the radio teacher, the TV person. Now it's their podcast, their YouTube channel. And 
there's something that happens where our loyalty shifts from God, and then in the name of God, our loyalty is really to that person. And it moves from um, believing what they're saying, and believing what they're saying is true, to believing in them themselves. And that is very, very dangerous. And I've seen myself in relationships, how I can idolize people. Instead of finding my sense of identity, my security, my sense of belonging in God, I look to people to give it to me. And so when I don't get affirmed by those who I love or respect, it can destroy me. And what's worse is when, especially when it happens within my family, and I start to put demands on my wife and children to make me feel good about myself. When I do that, I have turned them into idols. And the only way to escape that is to, is to confess that for what it is. Forgive me, Lord. For I have made idols out of my loved ones. I've made them my gods instead of you. Forgive me. And then to let that go and to allow God to work in my heart. Now, traditionally, of course, idols were actual um, handmade images. And John read that for us in Psalm 135 of and I'm going to reread verses 15 to 18, where we read, The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak. They have eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. There's a similar passage, for the sake of time, we'll get into from Isaiah where he talks about the, the, the craftsman who cuts down a tree and he takes half of the, of, of the wood uh, and, makes it, uh, and uses it to warm up his food and the other half he uses to, um, and, and makes it into an idol and bows down to it and says, help me, you are my God. And he's making fun of idolatry. And it's easy to make fun of idolatry, especially when just look at them. They don't speak, they don't hear, and, and so on. Well, the days of the, of the silent idols, of the, if I may call them, the days of the stupid idols, are over. Because now, the things we are making with our own hands, they do speak. And they do see. And they do hear. We know a little bit about artificial intelligence uh, through our smartphones and other ways computer technology is being used. Um, but it is, it is at a level where most of us aren't aware of. And it's very quickly going into places that sound like Wait, well, it's actually way beyond most science fiction stories we've ever heard. Um, some of you have already have robots that uh, vacuum your homes or cut your lawns. I don't know if you've ever thought about how they actually map out your home or map out your lawn, 
You might be very surprised. You might want to look that up. You might be surprised to know how much information that those devices are actually taking about your personal lives. Um, but that's nothing compared to the smart companions that are, that are already available. Um, some of those companions are for romantic. You could fill in the blanks uh, yourself for what that means, or for romantic purposes. And some of those same robots are, are also being branded now as personal companions. Um, so one of, you know, one of the things that's uh, frustrating when you try to make human beings into idols is they don't cooperate. Very often they push back. Now there's a thing called codependency uh, where people do cooperate with each other and they, they become idols to one another and uh, to feed their dysfunctions. Um, and other, in more healthy relationships, one party pushes back. And I'm grateful that that happens in my own, to my own relationships, that I'm not able to turn them into idols. But the bad news is that you could purchase a companion that will be for you everything that you want and give you the comfort and peace and pleasure that you want, that give you the security and satisfaction. Oh, wait a second. You don't need robots now. You don't need a robot for security. We've got our security systems. To think, you know, King David, who wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, he didn't have security cameras. He didn't have high-tech weapons. He had, oh yeah, he had a sling and a stone, didn't he? And he was he fought the lion and the bear. And, and he didn't boast about his great athletic prowess and the great high-tech diet that he was on. His confidence was in the Lord. But now we have all sorts of gizmos, chemicals, and all sorts of high-tech things that will give us a sense of peace, a sense of control. Before our high-tech days, this was in the 60s, um, um, I had an idol, and his name was Dr. Goldstein. Uh, and uh, those were in the days where Dr. Goldstein would come to our home, and, and, I, and I don't know how sick I actually was. I think a lot of my sickness had to do with how my mother treated me, but still, I remember coming down with a horrible sore throat and sick in bed with a fever, um, and... Uh, my mother would call Dr. Goldstein. He would come with his black bag. This is not fiction. This is, for those of you that are younger, this is really true. He would come with his black bag and he would take my temperature and, and all the rest, check me out. And I remember when he would say something like, it's a 24-hour virus. That's all I needed because Dr. Goldstein spoke. And I would go from freaking out that I was going to die to to treasuring the words of Dr. Goldstein. It was a 24-hour virus. I had faith in him. Faith is trust. And I knew I was going to be okay. And I'm, I do it now. When um, I went through a stage, I went through a stage um, of, I had a bad reaction to some painkiller, aspirin or something. And I, I took it within minutes. I developed horrific, horrific congestive cold symptoms and scratchy throat. Um, I know we get we talk about those things during our COVID time. We get also get really really nervous, um, and uh, I anyway. So this happened to me. I was I was think I was in my twenties at the time, and so I now oh no now I can't even take a painkiller for a headache or for fever. And so for the next many years, 
Um, if I get a bad headache or a, a sickness with a fever, I wouldn't take the, the fever reducer. I would just suffer it through. It's horrible. You know, when you get a high fever, you know how that could be, those of you who do know that. And um, anyways, I don't know what it was. Some years later, many years later, I tried again, and I didn't get that allergic reaction. And so the difference between having some, a pain, a really bad pain, I, have, I tend to have back pain, um, I, I have some really good pills that I know if I, you know, I, so I'll get a back a pain and I don't worry about it getting worse because if it gets worse, I take the pill. And it, most of the time it works. And it's so nice, you know, you can get, you get a fever, take the pill, it goes down a little bit, you know, you sweat, feel better. And I honestly, maybe there's no one else here like that, I have faith in my pills. I do. But think of the his, most history of the world, they didn't have access to that stuff. And we could go on and on with all the kinds of things that we have made with our hands, that we have security in. And if you don't, and, and if you don't think you have security in that thing, just wait till you run out of it. Or you know how it gets when the power goes out nowadays. And you know what would it be like if the power grid actually went down completely? And, and look it up, this is not conspiracy, there are reasons to believe that that could happen. And most of us are not prepared for it. Now, those if we actually believe that would happen, then we would go get all the emergency supplies they tell us to get. But the real problem is that we have grown accustomed to rely on the works of our own hands. Relying on the works of our own hands is idolatry because it's not relying on God. Now, I said that. I believe that. Does that mean I'm going to get rid of my smartphone and we shouldn't use the microphone and that I'm going to throw out all my pills? No, I'm not going to do that. But what I have to work on is what am I putting my trust in? Am I going to put my trust in our technology or am I going to put my trust in God? And that was the challenge that the community that John cared about was facing. That was what Paul is addressing in Romans. And that is what we're facing in our day today. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. I am very concerned what is going on. I am shocked over what I've heard even Christian leaders saying about the experts. I've heard people say, I don't know about medical things. They know, and I'm going to do whatever they say. When did that happen to us? Oh, I guess that happened to me and Dr. Goldstein, didn't it? And what he was a magician. That's exactly what he was. He wasn't he was guessing. They were educated guess guesses, but I was taught by my mother to listen to Dr. Goldstein. My mother did not teach me to ta- uh, listen to God. She told me to listen to Dr. Goldstein. Who are we listening to? I should take the pill because God wants me to take the pill. Now that might be really shocking for a lot of people because we've been taught to be quiet and listen to the experts. 
We are the most educated generation in the history of the world. We have access to more information, which I know is a challenge, than any other generation has ever lived. We're the most literate society in the world, and yet they say, shut up and listen to the experts. What has happened to us? We are not to follow the science, we're to follow Jesus. Science is a tool. Technology is a tool. But our master is the Lord Jesus. I believe in the benefits of science. I'm grateful for very intelligent, well-learned people. But look what is happening to us. We are the Lord's sheep. We're not the government's sheep. We are the Lord's sheep. We're not the scientists' sheep. We are in a democratic society. We're supposed to, as a people, be telling the government what to do. They're supposed to be listening to us. And yet, we're being treated like little mindless children that should simply behave. God, help us. Again, how do we discover what to do? We need to listen to the Lord. You are responsible for your life. You are responsible for your family. Church leaders of this church are responsible for this community. We need to seek God as to what he's calling us to do. But what voices are we listening to? Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you alone are God and you alone are blessed. We thank you that you communicate to us by your word and by your spirit. Father, we know we don't always get it right, but sometimes we admit we don't even try. Help us at this time to know how to walk in the liberty that your son has bought for us as free people, walking under your guidance and being a blessing to all those around us. Help us, Lord, to be a blessing. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to add a little addendum before before we go, just in case, because I, I know sometimes when uh, when we call to ourselves to trust God and we talk about medical things at the same time, there can be some confusion. I don't reject modern medicine. I believe where it's helpful and good, it is a gift from God. Uh, it's justification. One of the, its justifications in the scriptures is when Paul writes to Timothy and tells him to not just drink water, but uh, wine as well for his stomach's sake. And so those who believe that a, a true follower of Jesus should always be healthy, number one, not true. And look at Paul's life. He had various physical ailments. Two, um, 
he actually provided a prescription of taking something to help with his physical ailment rather than simply saying, find somebody to pray for you. Or, hey, Timothy, what's wrong with you? Why you, you don't have enough faith? That's why you have stomach problems. And people say those sorts of things, and it's not biblical. So that's, that's the first thing. Um, so with when it comes to medication, uh, we do need... We need to be wise, um, and hopefully we have good doctors and medical advisors. But as I said earlier, we need to take responsibility for our lives. And the medical profession knows that. That's why now when you get a prescription, you almost get a book of information, like three, four pages of stuff telling you all about the pills. I know most of us never read, read those things. Um, but an, an example is uh, when I had uh, surgery on my neck, um, whenever that was, over a year ago, um, I got all these pills, and one of them was a, a, a prescription for antibiotics. And a lot of us, you know, you go for dental surgery, you just get these antibiotics. Um, and they're only there just in case you get an infection. And so they're prescribed to take even when you don't have the infection yet, in case you do have the infection. Anyway, I'm reading the information sheet, and it says one of the significant side effects was stomach upsetness. And I've had issues with antibiotics and my stomach in the past, whereby after taking a course of certain antibiotics, I could have months of stomach issues. So now what am I supposed to do? Because I, uh, I really don't want to get an infection and die. Um, so I better take the pills. But on the other hand, I don't want to have a horrible tummy. And I don't think this is the kind of tummy thing that a little bit of wine would resolve. So I called, I, I contacted my family doctor. I told him, and he said, don't take the antibiotics. Now, I could have decided that on myself based on my own, well, now I would based on my own experience. I, I read the information, I consulted, and I made a decision based on my situation. And it seems to me less and less people are doing that. Other thing with that, if you are somebody who is taking a prescription medication for something, and for some reason you feel you shouldn't take it anymore, if a doctor puts you on it, a doctor needs to take you off it. Do not just stop a prescription medication because that could end up being worse than before. So that would be, that would be my advice. Let's respect the people who know what they're doing. And just one more thing. We've had doctors and dentists that really didn't know what they were doing. But many of us have been taught that to be loyal to the medical people, we're responsible. It's okay not to agree with your doctor or dentist or other medical professional. It's okay to change. Do the research, get good advice, pray, and make a, uh, as best a decision as you can. But in, as we trust in God, let's take responsibility for our lives. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca.